Bring it down. Boil and toil and trouble and bubbling. Yeah, get them, get them, put them in the boiling pot, put them in the boiling pot. I'm very confused. I've got a bit flustered and hot and carried away with the uh, with the sort of social cultural death sentence applied to people. I've very much enjoyed it. It's been a great and confusing week. And hello, I'm Joe Devine. Welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. We'll be talking today, of course, about the downfall of the Super League, a very funny thing that happened. Um, <laughs> lots of funny things to talk about. So we're going to enjoy that, um, uh, analysing the fall, thinking about the the future, what well, the consequences could be. Could the government be involved? Reflecting as well on, on how poorly it was launched. And also, we talk a little bit about uh, Spurs and Southampton at the very end of the podcast too. A short, uh, shrifty bit of football for listeners who are interested in that sort of thing. Um, and I'm joined today in order to do that by Seb Stafford-Bloor. Hello, Joe Devine. And Alex Stewart. Morning. Morning it was a fun episode to record, wasn't it? One thing, do you know what? One thing I, I, I forgot to say that I meant to say in today's episode, at some point, didn't have a natural home, was well done to Gary Neville. You know, not because he had did anything individually uh, that was, you know, so purposeful as to have an impact on this movement, although I'm sure it's possible that he did, but because when they look back on this movement in the future, uh, or this this moment, sorry, in the future, it's going to be his clips that they use, isn't it, in the documentaries and in the, you know, in the radio shows and, and the films or whatever it is that they that they make to uh, to talk about this. Even just quoting him in articles, like it's going to be Gary Neville that they quotes that they use, isn't it? Yeah, as long as it's not James Corden, that's kind of good with me. Yeah, but but James Corden had his say. It was good. <laughs> when I saw that, I thought, oh, good, don't worry. James Corden said something. Oh, look, I, I I see a bandwagon leaving the station. Oh, I, I think James. I'm no fan of James Corden's, but he is he's a legit West Ham fan. But the the best bit about that was at the end when he just sort of said, "I know none of you care, but but there I." There was do. no audience and response, could, was there? Nothing, nothing at all. He just poured himself out for three and a half minutes to basically a blank wall. Yes, true. Anyway, uh, well, today's episode is uh, full of fun, I think. Uh, and of course, if you want more fun, you can visit theathletic.com forward slash TIFO to uh, regale yourselves with the wonderful tales of uh, of football this week. I tell you what, I'm, um, I'm always impressed when something in football happens, something seismic. Never have I been more impressed than this last week, getting to sit there uh, and uh, flick through the Slack channels as an employee, getting, getting to watch the journalists bringing in news, uh, all collaborating and working together to release these really interesting pieces of analysis and, and, and news updates on the situation. It's a great place uh, to be when something like this happens, and I think that's uh, reflected to uh, the audience of the app as well, isn't it, Seb? Sure is. It has been uh, has been fascinating to, to kind of keep track of the uh, the breaking stories and to see everybody working. Oh, there you go. That's a big... <laughs> <laughs> that's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> but it has. It has. It's been very interesting to watch the Slack channel. <laughs> anyway, that's theathletic.com forward slash TIFO. Please go and enjoy that for a small fee. Uh, right, that's all. I will leave you today in the warm hands and the cool embrace of Joel Glazer and uh, Daniel Levy and uh, who are the other people? Uh, Stan Cronkay. Other terrible, and, uh, terrible people. Bruce Buck and Roman Abramovich. John Henry and, uh, not taking off his coat. John Henry with a coat Andrea on. Agnelli. 
Andrea Agnelli and uh, Florentina Perez and some other people at some of the other clubs too. Uh, You know, (laughs) in all of their hands. Don't think Judas was involved. to begin but with the Super League, the failed Super League, the fallen Super League that turns out to be very extremely funny Super League week. Um, Seb what an embarrassment wasn't it it was a real (laughs) it was a real embarrassment it was just 12 super clubs trying to save the world Joe, trying to save all the poor clubs, trying to make sure that everybody in the game had just as much money as they needed and it was just pure benevolence. What a shame. Yeah. What a shame. Yeah. Well, you know, good guys finish last, don't they? They do That's indeed. The... And nothing proves that more than this as an experiment. <laughs> no, just, just this is this is kind of like a, a literal parable. Yeah. Yeah. My favourite thing, Alex, about this whole process was uh, as the as the English club started to drop off, uh, the order in which they dropped off being extremely important to them. Uh, was very funny. Uh, the messages uh, which they would eventually send their fans was very funny. The way that the final four English clubs appeared to coordinate their exit from the European Super League. Not sure if they did, but all of their social media accounts, uh, you know, released statements uh, around well, the same minute after 11. And uh, then in the day since, some of the very, very funny videos and letters from these people who who are just saying things that are just not true (laughs) about how they feel. John Henry perched on his stool like um, the Jerry Springer final thought, saying how how terribly sad he is. But it, there's, I don't know, the, the, the climb down has been as unedifying as the spectacle itself in the first place, hasn't it? Because the the apologies in inverted commas have have kind of you know switched from in some instances being actual apologies. You know, we listened to you. We are sorry for what happened. Right through to to basically um, just a yeah. Well, that's not happening anymore. I think it makes it very difficult for some of these clubs to to begin to repair the fractured relationships that they've got with a significant element of their fan base. And it's it's been handled woefully from start to finish. Well, repair being the key word there, Alex, uh, uh, you're spot on because, of course, Joel Glazer used the word repair in his statement to Manchester United fans apologising, saying that he hopes they can rebuild the relationship. He didn't use the word repair, did he? I've just realised, as I've said it out loud, he used the word rebuild, but it's the same kind of word rebuild repair he said he wanted to rebuild the uh, the relationship with united fans which um which never existed so you know yeah exactly i mean the, the glazers are perhaps the only club that genuinely had up until that point a relatively decent ownership fan group relationship was fsg at liverpool um because obviously they have achieved a lot otherwise you feel like there's been a kind of uneasy standoff in a lot of instances and continued outright hostility, particularly in the case of Manchester United, also in the case with Arsenal. So in a lot of these instances, there's nothing to rebuild in the first place. It's just kind of confirmed the worst fears of a large section of those fans anyway. Well, the, the Liverpool-FSG relationship is 
I mean, it, it wasn't actually that good beforehand. I mean, you know, the, the title made a difference. Winning the European Cup has, um, has kept people quiet, but there was a lot of anger over the furloughing decision uh, back in last summer. But it's, was... it's a much shorter term thing, isn't it? I mean, the, the furloughing thing was bad. Trying to copyright Liverpool was bad. But these are relatively recent things. I, I was staggered to read somebody, I can't remember who said it, but it, it like I, I'd forgotten how long the Glazers had been in charge of Manchester United. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> I was kind of staggered by that. 16 years. Right, exactly. And and in that period, I think this is the second public statement that they have, that Joel Glazer himself has made. You know, what, what? that's not a relationship with a fan group. No, it certainly isn't. It certainly isn't. Um, here's two things from me. One... I don't believe any of it. I assume something went wrong that caused them to turn around. For some reason, the money disappeared or whatever. Perhaps fan groups scared off crucial sponsorships or crucial broadcasters. But I don't believe that it was just the the reaction that caused these people to change their minds. Because why would they, right? Uh, thoughts on that, please, Seb? Yeah, it's just a lie. It's It's a how many times have club statements begun with we've listened to the reaction or... We were taken aback by the vociferousness of the response. <laughs> we were surprised. Uh, we, we just couldn't believe it. And you just think, this is fine. But part of the reason why there's so much surprise and why some of these owners at least feign to be taken aback is because nobody asks in the first place. No one, no one sort of gathers a yeah. fan group and says, what do you reckon about this? Because if they had done, this would have been the response. I, I suppose what I can't really get away from is whenever I read one of these statements, and let's not go down the, the tribal route of, oh, my club is shitter than yours at apologies, because who cares? Mm-hmm. They're all bound to rise. Um, you know, John Henry may have said a lot of things. John Henry couldn't, didn't even take his coat off when he um, when he, when he recorded this <laughs> statement. Like, he literally just sat down it, it somewhere. Was, it was the Tim Sherwood gilet, oh, wasn't it? Oh, mate, just, like, just, just, just at least look like you've gone through about an hour's worth of preparation rather than just being shoved in front of the camera and yeah. you know mumble through an autocue and then leave it's just how stupid do you think supporters are your players revolted against you presumably some commercial department um, partners said that uh you know might not be in their interest even amazon said oh, hold on now hold on now this is I think that's the one isn't it that's the one i think that's, that's, that's the one like i think that's i don't know if it, like just to clarify don't actually know but I know, but that that would be to do with supporter response because if Amazon, you know, went whoa well now uh, as a result of it would be as a result of the supporter response, right? I what, don't know. I think it would, would have it... been probably as a result of mass media response. I mean, if you're talking right. about supporters okay. in the sense of people demonstrating at at outside grounds that leads and hanging back to scarves, people, though, right? That leads back it to people. Even the same does, way. but I don't I know that it's of. about. I don't know if it's about sort of match going public. I think when you start having prime ministers talk about it in the House of Commons, that's problematic. Amazon don't want to get involved in that. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and and I th- I think you also have that there was there was a significant media response in and of itself. Journalists themselves were very critical. Pundits were very critical. Um, there was an interesting Grace Robertson, who's a writer I really like, who does a newsletter put one out last night um, and made a a very astute point, which is that a lot of a lot of the sponsors involved in sport, you know, if you look at Nike or or whomsoever, have been moving much towards this kind of uh we're in this together, we care about you, we're also interested in 
you know, civil rights and and don't get me wrong, they're still a corporation. They're still trying to sell you trainers. But the marketing pivot has been much more towards being inclusive and caring and and fighting people's corner. And so the European Super League kind of decided to push itself forward at a time when pretty much every significant football sponsor is trying to talk about stuff in a different way. However cynically they're doing that, it's that, you know, breaking away for the purposes yeah. of becoming richer very much goes against the general messaging of brands at the moment. I uh, have a little bit of breaking news for you guys, actually, just because oh, we yeah. are, you know, we are news relevant on this podcast. A large group of Manchester United fans are blocking at the entrances to Carrington this morning <laughs> in protest against the Glazers' management of the club, ownership of the club. Get in there, fans. Block Good those roads. Good for you. Who are they stopping? Yeah. The, 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 the players, players from coming into training, yeah. Ah, players don't need to train. They're ah, pretty good, aren't they? Exactly that, yeah. Well, do you know what? I applaud them doing something. I think it's nice. I would also say... There's a fine, not in relation to these Manchester United supporters, don't misunderstand me, but goodness me, isn't there a fine line between uh, getting all excited and then getting hell-bent with mob rule? <laughs> oh, on Sunday, on Monday, I could have burned some people alive, <laughs> you know? I really had to sit back and go, whoa now. I just enjoyed the climb down, that's all. Anyway, hopefully the climb down will be even greater because there'll be some significant consequences that come as a result of this really bad misunderstanding of what they could actually do. Uh, and, uh, of course, the first place that we might stop on our journey of uh, consequences land uh, is perhaps the least likely one, is the government are promising a review of the game, which the, the review will happen, right? Tracy Couch will uh, do a root and branch investigation into the governance of football and what we can do to promote the, the roles of fans in that government, lots of people have talked about 50 plus one. Obviously, as you mentioned already, um, Alex and, and Seb, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson uh, was talking about it. Lots of MPs have been involved in tweeting about it, at least over uh, over the last few days. So there's appetite for some kind of discussion. And the most you know interesting thing to me about the whole process was that, you know, Bayern Munich weren't allowed to join because of their 50 plus one rule. It just seems like a great idea. What's the what is the appetite here? I like 50 plus one. I would stop short of presenting it as an absolute paradise. I think if you look at German football at the moment, the temptation is just to see the clubs who benefit from it and who are run well as a result of it. There's an awful lot of dysfunction in German football. I mean, look at what's happened to Schalke, for instance. Look at um, the arguments that have um, uh, engulfed Stuttgart. Uh, look at the ownership and, and running of Hamburg over the last decade or so. Like, 50 plus one is fine. I think what matters is the people in the club because um, decisions still have to be taken. And, you know, even if actually, even if you even if you look at fan run teams in the UK, um, there are more than a few examples of that initial honeymoon period where it's all great and democracy is wonderful. And then there's always a falling out. I think of like some of the um, some of the controversies that um, sort of sunk FC United of Manchester a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, it it still depends on smart people in the right positions. It's a great starting point because I think it protects you from things like this. That's that's very, very important. Um, but this is a kind of nuclear level catastrophe. You also have to look at kind of your day-to-day, -day, your normal stuff. Um, and it's not a silver bullet solution. What's normal stuff in your war analogy? I suppose negotiation of television rights and... 
uh, how revenue is distributed. No, also, no, in the war analogy, I'm asking. Oh, in the war analogy. I mean, I don't know, a little skirmish on a beach. Uh, <laughs> a beach you know, skirmish. Take, take that town. Um, you know, well, like Take in that band, town? The well, replica like in, town of Take That in China? No, 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 no. You remember in Band of Brothers when, um, when they're coming out of the Battle of the Bulge and yes. they have to take a, um, an occupied town yes. and that, that, um, that colonel, that bad colonel, Oh Dyke. man, Norman Dyke. Yeah. He, Dyke. He loses it on the battlefield, and he has to be relieved yes. of his command mid movement. That's and, the one where Spears runs through the town. Spears is just uh, <laughs> Spears is just like a. I don't even know how you describe Spears because it's fairly. Um, Producer Adonis has texted us in the middle of our really fun conversations to remind us of our duty to explain what the fifty plus one rule is. Thanks, Producer Adonis. <sighs> We're always ruining that fun, isn't he? Always. Yeah. It's just he's like, trying he's to come down on it hard. Ah. Yeah. So in Germany, uh, the uh, football clubs are arms of sports clubs, general sports clubs, which, you know, um, contain teams which, you know, do all sorts of things, handball and fencing and, you know, gymnastics and basketball. Tell us uh, what it means, Seb. It means that the football club, the, uh, the football arm of those clubs has to be owned by the shares in it have to be have to remain with the um, with the members of the club. So, fifty percent plus one. It literally means fifty percent of the shares and one, so that they remain they retain overall voting control of the club's future. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to understand what it means now. Can you explain it? <laughs> it just <laughs> it basically outlaws uh, majority private membership. It means that you cannot have a um, yeah, a Roman Abramovich who comes in and uh, purchases the entire club and takes I'm ready whenever you are to start explaining it <laughs> hey but the smart play here would just be to introduce the video that we did on this oh, I think that true. would be the, the, if you the, want to uh, hit up TIFO football on the YouTube that would be yeah, nice you yeah. can watch our video about the 50 plus 1 rule as it relates to RB Leipzig there's also a video that was written by James Montague about German supporters and how different they are in terms of being uh, politically engaged so that was fun um Consequences. Let's talk about consequences now, because in my house there were never any consequences, and that's why I'm who I am. So I feel yeah. like we should have some here, uh, you know, to really bring down. I don't know what people have different parenting techniques, don't they? But I would dissolve them forever. <laughs> what would you do, uh, Alex? Um, <laughs> this is the big yeah, six, no, that, by the way. Not that, not Germany's political. Seems fans. like a great idea. Um, I think it's really hard to I, I i don't know i i i actually don't know um i mean obviously points deductions are a possibility massive um, fines but, yeah but what's the mechanism by which they're fined um i mean there's like mugging. these things have to happen within mugging yeah so what just march stan Kroenke to a cash point i mean that's probably i'm talking about consequences idea. Yeah, I, the, 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 the important consequences are going to be what happens to football in, hopefully, particularly in, in the UK, but anywhere else, uh, as a result of these sorts of um, reports. Tracy Crouch is a qualified, I, I can't remember if she's a qualified coach or referee, but she's somebody who actually understands football really quite well and is a good person to drive this. So it may be that the consequences don't, directly affect the clubs this season in terms of points deductions or fines but it redraws the landscape in a way which is much more positive for supporters in general of course the other alternative is that all their trophies 
are melted down and made into little coins. <laughs> Seb, let me say to you, from, from the sounds of it, Alex wants to punish the fans, and that's I think he's missed the point a little bit. <laughs> uh, Seb, how would you go about specifically punishing the people who did the plot here, um, not the fans, as Alex wants to punish? I think I would... I think the punishment has to come from the Premier League, and I would look at forcing some kind of resignation or expulsion of these individual people. I don't see the value in, in, in punishing the clubs because you're punishing all the wrong people. The, um, the architects of this situation are individual executives who have been uh, sitting around in smoke-filled rooms for the last 18 months plotting something uh, and lying to a lot of other people. Clubs haven't done that. Players haven't done that. Managers haven't done that. I thought Jurgen Klopp um, made a really good point. Um, he lost his cool a little bit with Gary Neville towards the end of that segment, but um, it began with a really good point about, well, we didn't know about this until yesterday. Um, that was on yeah. Monday night, and we're recording this on, on a Thursday morning. So you have to look at people like Cronky, Daniel Levy, John Henry, um, Ed Woodward. Ed Woodward is gone, fine, but... Why should these people be allowed to remain inside the conversation? Why should they? How, how instance, does the Premier League remove them, though? They're the owners. Well, it's already of those started the process. It's already started the process. So the Premier League is obviously um, it isn't just a single room with twenty people sitting around a big table. Um, there are subcommittees and um, kind of sub organisations which deal with kind of revenue splits, and they've already begun the process of kicking people out of those. Um, and that's very important, but it has to go further. You have to make sure that amongst those 20 member clubs, there is a level of trust. And that level of trust cannot exist while people like Levy and Kroenke are in the room. It just it just can't. Because um, it, within 24 hours of the, the Super League imploding, um, Agnelli's back on TV talking about, well, we're going to refine it. And Perez is doing the same. And it's like it's like leading a coup against a king or a queen, and then being allowed to, you know, you fail, but oh, well, we'll go back to cast and have a bit of a think about it. Just you try, try again, again next year, you know. Like, yeah. I, I agree with Alex in the sense that the mechanism is very difficult. Would you but, put them in a cage uh, uh, at the top of the castle from the highest turret? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, I'd like that. Yeah. One thing I okay. would say, and and I I take your point, Seb, about the fact that managers and players and and clearly fans weren't consulted in all of this. But when there have previously been points deductions, clubs going into administration and so on, like it happened to Southampton, it's happened to Bolton Wanderers and Leeds and so on, it, the, the circumstances were exactly the same. <laughs> you know, the fans and players <clears throat> and manager didn't know about that either. And it feels like, yes, removing people from committees is actually a very practical and sensible plan, but it would also feel kind of unfair if these clubs were not punished in some other more overt way because other clubs have had to suffer that fate for financial mismanagement and doing things badly and and to have a kind of an elite group who consider themselves so elite that they could break away that don't then f you know have a further sanction that is similar to those other clubs yes it's unfair to fans yes it's unfair to managers and players but otherwise, it feels more unfair not to do something. I agree. Think about the think about the financial blow this would have caused to the to the game, right? And 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 uh, by example, you know the other examples that Alex brings up of uh, teams that have been financially mismanaged, not as a result of their players or their fans or whatever. That's all damage to the th themselves, and then they get punished, you know, for br uh, breaking breaking the various financial regulations. Uh, these teams were going to do damage to other teams. 
They should be punished. They should have points deductions. Why not? I think to not do it is to just welcome them straight back into the into the into the role, exactly as you were saying there, Seb. I think they need to be they need to be a very vis- visceral and they they need to capitalise kick them when they're on the ground is what I'm saying. Like they've they're down, they're embarrassed, they look ridiculous. These I, I uh, thought they executives, were in a cage I mean, in a high tower. They're, they're in a cage in a high tower on the floor looking ridiculous. All these different okay. things. They should they should apply points deductions to the cl- clubs. I, I'm sure there's probably no precedent for this, and so it's not as straightforward as all that. But do you agree with the concept of doing it, Seb? I don't think it has a long term effect. I think if you if you if you if you um, sanctioned a points deduction this season, so let's say for argument's sake, you deducted all of these teams twenty points and you removed them from. I, without looking at the table, I don't know, but presumably from all kind of European qualification. Okay, so yeah. you, you punish them for a year. Now next year, you pair it with pair it with longer term punishments, but don't just ignore it because it's only short term. You can do, but I, I think the most important thing is that you move the individual people because if you, um, I mean. I'm sorry to interrupt you again, but you can remove them from the various committees around the Premier League and the subcommittees, as you say, and they have, you know, many of them have left themselves their positions in the ECA when they thought that this was still going to be a goer. You can't take Manchester United away from Joel Glazer. There's nothing that the Premier League can do to get in between that, as far as I understand. Yeah, no, I understand that. So so how can you remove them? You, you you, You remove individual decision makers. Joel Glazer isn't a decision maker in this situation. I mean, he is a owner of Manchester United, but the problem in these conversations has been Ed Woodward. Um, I don't I don't doubt for one second that he's been working on under the authority of Joel Glazer and to do to create a situation that the Glazers want to see, which was a kind of a um, a locked Super League. But in the same way that um, Joe Lewis is not the public face of Tottenham, I don't really, I don't know how you would remove Tottenham from Joe Lewis's um, control. It's but all making I, sense now, Seb. But it's I all under- making sense now. What do you mean? Producer Adonis has let me know. <laughs> He's let me know that The Athletic revealed last night that Spurs aren't on any of those committees. And that's your real plan, isn't it? Ooh, you just want to get all the other just, teams off. I just, just want to see you power. Power. Yeah. You know, No punishment for Spurs, because you're a Spursite. Anyway, well, that's because thing, it, well, it? if you punish Spurs, okay, if, so for instance, um, Tottenham are not going to finish in the Champions League places. So, what is a twenty-point deduction for them this season? How, it how, is they how finish is... like in the bottom half of the table, and it's embarrassing, Sorry? and we can all laugh at them and make fun yeah, of them. You, but would you would you not think a more effective punishment is to remove Daniel Levy as as chairman? Yeah, but I guess so. But, but how that, can you but, do but, that? Because you can't. you can't do that. Of course, you can. The, 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 these are Premier League clubs. You can ban people from. Um, from running Premier League clubs, of course you can. The Premier League can obviously decide who sits on various committees. No, they, but they, they but can I'm also. I'm pretty sure the Premier League cannot interfere with the running of a publicly traded business. Like that, yeah, that it's, just it's doesn't a, seem plausible. No, of course you, you you can you can threaten a suspension of membership, but then at the same time, it's like saying. Yeah, but because they, these actions, this attempt to join a Super League is unprecedented, we don't have the mechanisms to, to issue any proper punishment, and therefore we just won't. Like it, it doesn't work like that, because we are in a territory where it, this is not a, you know, this is not an appeal of a five-game ban for a, you know, a bad tackle. It is a situation which doesn't have legislation attached to it. There is no procedure to follow here. So just saying, well, you know, Daniel Levy, you know, we just don't know what to do with him, so he might as well just stay and continue. It's, it's nonsense. But, but how it's do you do that with, with John Henry or Joel Glazer, who, I have who absolutely might, might occupy no those idea. positions, but also own the teams? 
I have absolutely no idea. You need a smart financial person. You could probably do that with Levy, right? Hypothetically, you could do that with Levy if you're correct. But you couldn't do that with the owners. No, you couldn't do that with the owners. You could potentially do. Government could do um, that with the owners, but that is a very severe step. Well, Well, of course they'll never do that. Yeah. I mean, you you could retrospectively say that they failed a fit and proper persons test, potentially, because what they did. I did read a thing the other day. There There is something about the the duty of companies to conduct themselves in a certain sort of way that benefits shareholders, but also the community. If there's some, I think, I think there is legislation that can be used to apply pressure. Um, But I think until the government decides to, you know, ensure, I mean, what's interesting about 50 plus one and, and also the way that that Spanish football clubs are, are now owned apart from the four that are still socio owned is that it was government legislation that that created those vehicles and forced clubs, if they wanted to be part of a sporting federation, they had to adhere to those ownership models. So it is within government's power to be able to do that. But it would take a lot of time. I don't pretend to, to know an awful lot about American sport, but there was a, a really good um, ESPN 30 for 30 series um, on their podcast uh, about Donald Sterling and how it was that he came to be forced to sell the LA Clippers, the um, NBA franchise. Now, I understand it's a different model. The Premier League is not the same thing as the NBA. And actually, the NBA is, is, is a, you know, is more comparable to something like what the proposed Super League. But leagues do have control and do have certain powers over people who run these organisations. Um, so it's not, it's not without global precedent, this kind of situation. Okay, I'm ready, Seb. What were you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> Should we reflect on how poorly this was launched? Because that's a funny part of it, wasn't oh, it? The so crap website, weird. the bad so branding, weird. the garbled interview or interviews from Perez and the silence from every other participating chairman. Uh, just imagine thinking that you could go on telly and say, yeah, maybe we're going to maybe we're gonna make football shorter if that's what the young people want. Like, oh, we'll do what we want. We're full of... It's innovative, isn't it? You idiot. You idiot. I, I think it's just like capitalist hubris, isn't it? You know, they, they they have got themselves to a position of such wealth and influence where they have effectively been able to do whatever they've wanted to do and they are so utterly convinced of the correctness of this idea. And weirdly, I think particularly with people like Perez and Agnelli, there's a kind of righteousness. They they, they feel yeah. that they are saving football. In some Do you sort think of also way, but it, because they have so much money, they must have made lots of correct decisions in the past, and therefore they well, might be a bit biased about their ability to, to to make right decisions. Do you know what I mean? I I think there's possibly something in that, although there is also you know just because you're rich doesn't mean you're clever. Um, and no, sure. and again, you know, Florentino Perez. Uh, made a lot of money in construction. So maybe he's like an absolute ninja when it comes to construction, but that doesn't necessarily mean he understands football or, or crucially marketing. And and I think this is the, the weird thing. He's a construction ninja. In a, in a world that is so obsessed with narrative and the way that you sell things in the context of an incredibly responsive news cycle that will generate reaction overreaction to things at the drop of a hat 
these guys just basically kicked the door of the room down and went, we're going to piss on everything and you'll love it. And then were surprised when that didn't work. <laughs> I did kind of love it though. To be fair, I mean, it was. Don't get me wrong; it was funny, but it, you know, that literally any other any other undertaking of this sort, if it were done by anybody other than a bunch of incredibly rich, self righteous, arrogant men, would have been carefully considered and planned and seeded. You know, the idea would be sort of creeping out, and they would consult with groups and. It would be there would be messaging that would be about this is how you save football and in a different kind of way. Whereas well, I, think, I think the joke with this is that that they were prepared, like they spoke to this uh, this uh, creative agency or this branding agency, some uh, started by someone semi-famous in that industry who worked with a lot of big names in politics before. Um, they 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 did prepare this stuff. Like some of the assets were prepared, you know, months ago, and. Uh, what I think the funny thing is that they, they didn't think that they needed to consider the things that you're saying. Do you know what I mean? I think it's even funnier to think that they probably did think about those things. They probably had conversations about them uh, because they're not stupid people. Um, well, but I, they they didn't think they even needed did. to. Yeah, but this I think this is the problem. when When you've got a group that has been so preeminent within the sport for such a long time already you know Perez has been running Real Madrid for over a decade and Yelly's family has owned Juve for over a hundred years you know these guys think they have all the answers so you could have a very bright PR company and a group of clever young things running around going chaps this is probably not the best way to do this and they'll just sit back and go uh yeah sorry we know better because I'm Andrea Agnelli, of course I know better. You know, it's like there is no talking to people like that. Once they've th- set themselves on a on a path, they are just convinced that they're correct. And they don't need... I think this is the biggest single thing is they they don't... They didn't feel they needed to... And Perez coming out last night and saying all of these ridiculous things about match duration and attention spans and stuff. <laughs> that's, that's not a guy who's looked at the last 48-hour news cycle and gone... Maybe I should temper my message. That's a guy who's gone, you're all fucking idiots. (laughs) I am doubling down because I'm the only one who understands it. Well, the delusion I think there was like, you know, know, when you're in a room with a small number of other people and you spend a long time in that room and you're talking about ideas, you get to a stage where you'll think any idea is amazing and is innovative and is modern, right? And is kind of risky and special and bold and these sorts of things. I do genuinely believe that he he thinks he's excited about the idea of being able to reduce the length of a football game because maybe it'll make more money, right? He's excited about it. And he thinks, therefore, that that is an example of something which could be described as innovative, modern, bold, punk thinking, you know, kind of like we need people like this in the game. We need people who are prepared to uh, not close any of the doors, not not make any assumptions about or not leave anything unanswered, you know, look at everything. Uh, I do genuinely believe that he believes that. And I think that's a really good example of somebody who is probably extremely isolated from ordinary people, you know, because that's not making it shorter isn't exciting, is it? But also, Joe, if you were going to make a proposition like that, 
do you not think that maybe not on day one, but probably on like day two or day three, you would present some kind of evidence of having talked to the people that you're referring to? Like it's it's a really weird thing that I don't. I think um, Florentino Perez is in his late sixties. Um, Andrea Agnelli is is in his late forties. You've got these two guys talking about younger generations, and there's no evidence that they've actually been consulting with well, they, they also don't understand the, the basic concept of it right like, they, like they, what's yeah, the it, point he was making he was saying oh well, maybe we'll shorten in the game what to what to 80 minutes you've missed the fucking point mate it's not that they can't watch 90 minutes but they can watch 80 it's that they don't like to watch then, anything for a very long time but it, it's not even it's a complete misunderstanding of what like a sort of loose it, understanding of the truth would be anyway it's before you even get to the idea of understanding or not joe it's like it's like one of them has, has gone into a room with their grand grandchild and daughter noticed them playing Fortnite, watched for five minutes and then left and tried to, to recreate European football as a result of what they've seen. <laughs> yeah. It is absolute madness. There's actually I am um, Imagine read a, if that was true though. Imagine if humans had evolved. Is it so far fetched? for 79 minutes they could pay attention, but that was it. That's all. They can't do any more than that. But also what 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 is the actual evidence that this is the case? Just because just because people like TikTok you can't necessarily extrapolate video retention. from that. It's video the, retention, the, mate. Evidence does exist of lessening attention span. For sure it does. But it doesn't mean that you, you can't answer to, that by... If you, if you, you want know. to... Lessening attention span for certain types of content, sure. But but it I you I don't know. Are, are people literally being timed watching football matches? But it, uh, to be honest with you, like I think this all kind of takes a step beyond the most fundamental point in the argument, which is if you want people to remain invested in football... Isn't your first step not to create a European Super League with like 10 quarters each of like eight and a half minutes each? Isn't it to make sure that people can actually afford to fucking go? Like, do I, am I interested in football today unless I get, unless um, I'm able to go to football as a child? Probably not, or at least probably not in the same way. So your emphasis is on making sure that you reach your, your future generations in that way first. And then, then maybe you, you have discussions about lessening attention spans. They perhaps, only want but, it on the telly, though, don't they? Isn't that the thing? Isn't that the thinking? Yeah, but maybe, but maybe. But then in terms of sort of um, securing a lifelong stream of revenue from a single person who buys replica shirts and scarves and goes to matches, yeah. the avenue to that person is through getting them inside a stadium, whether it be home, away, on, on one of those global tours, perhaps. I don't like them, but I understand that as a mechanism. Like, it's just a... It's hardly as if football has exhausted its attempts to to make itself more affordable. I mean, maybe in Germany it does a good job of that, possibly. In England, it is it has it's laughed in the face pretty much of any kind of you know. I, I understand twenties plenty has been a you know a success or you know has has brought ticket away ticket prices down, but in terms of going to your average Premier League game, like if you were a father of two or three and you know you wanted to take your sons and daughters cost you a small fortune and so how yeah. do you expect people to to have a lifelong relationship with a game they can never actually go into a stadium and touch it's ridiculous burn them all down melt it go to go to non-league instead melt you know it. i um melt i read a james horncastle article this morning which uh, on the athletic which is very very good but um one of the details which made me laugh was that um uh, there was a meeting of Serie A chairman and presidents and owners um, on Tuesday. And apparently when uh, Agnelli tried to speak, he 
he was heckled by a chance of Judas <laughs> from the other people on the Zoom call. <laughs> Judas. <laughs> that would have been so awkward as well because you could only hear one person at a time, can't you? Read the article, um, it's good. It's a really good article. Yeah, The Athletic did some great stuff over the weekend. Yeah. BTW. Check it out. Good Matt Slater article there as well. Which one was that? It's about what happens next. And oh, yeah. Yeah, it came out on uh, Thursday morning. It's um, well worth your time. Well, I've got no idea what happens next. Go and ask Matt Slater. For now, uh, we'll be back in a moment to talk about what? Football? Football what? Spurs 2, 1 Southampton. This was classic Saints, writes Alex. Great first half, writes Alex. It was you, wasn't it, that wrote this? It was me, yes. You Tell you what, you read it. Go on. Go on, pal. Uh, okay. <clears throat> I'm, I'll just be bold with be Armstrong bold. doing well in an unfamiliar CM role. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess M- this more, makes more sense like you. You know, you're convinced by what you've written. You know, just before Ings getting injured forced a switch. Feels like we're treading water until yeah. Um, <laughs> it's this. This is this has been. This is. I, I know no one's interested in talking about Southampton. Um, even I'm not that interested in talking about Southampton. But for the first half, we played really well, um, and Tottenham looked a little bit bereft of ideas. Reminded me slightly of that very passive beginning of the season performance against Everton when everybody thought Everton were going to go on and win the Premier League. Um, And then Ings went off injured and there were some changes. And it's just, I I don't know, to me, Southampton's season feels slightly emblematic of this season as a whole, which is that it's been extremely up and down. Mm -hmm. It's been quite unpredictable. Uh, Injuries have played too significant a part or uh, the, the mental and physical strain on players has 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 played too much of a part and everybody basically just wants to get to the end now and sit big question down and have for you. a break. Yeah, go I've on. got a big question for you, okay? Because I like Ralph Hasenhutl mo- mostly because of his name, because of the way he looks and because I think he like, oh, he was at um, Leipzig. He must be a good hey, coach. He, he was the password for the old uh, Tifa football Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah misspelled. That's true. Misspelled. Misspelled, of course. <laughs> So you didn't, uh, but you, you know, didn't love his name that much. As an added security measure. <laughs> I always look at him and think like, oh, he's good. And also he, he's at Southampton, right? So I always look at him and think like, oh, he's going to be in charge of Tottenham or at Manchester United in a few years' time. Like, he's the, he's the next big thing. And then like see, a season like this happens. Last season was sort of, uh, you know, topsy-turvy as well. Uh, am I sort of getting caught do you think by the whole sort of uh, the whole look and feel of Hasenhutl uh, when the substance doesn't appear to quite be there in to tally with what my expectations are Alex do you understand what I'm saying I, I completely understand what you're saying and it's a conversation that's bubbling around Southampton supporters a lot as well um, I think the answer is no he is still really good um, and I think if you look at the way that Southampton played after the restart and at the beginning of this season, when a Ralph team is playing well, it's capable of producing really good, exciting football, beating anybody. Um, you know, there's almost no one that we haven't got a good result against uh, in in the last sort of calendar year. Um, I think the issue is that that the the squad is terribly thin. 
there has been a litany of poor recruitment decisions at Southampton stretching back over the last three, four years, really. And so his team's need to be refreshed and reset otherwise they run out of steam and that just hasn't been an option for him I think if he went somewhere with a deeper squad uh with more of a uh, I mean he's you know he's trying to to sort out the path back into the first team for 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 um academy players and he's he's set this plan out for the whole of the club that will obviously take time to come to fruition um but yeah, he's still he's still very good, and he should end up managing somewhere better than Southampton. I wouldn't judge too much on what's happened in the second half of this season. Okay, Seb, two minutes on Spurs, please, without Mourinho, because they won a game of football, didn't they? Yeah, they did. It was kind of the um, it demonstrated the, the good and the bad of sort of post era relaxation. Mourinho goes, everyone sighs, and you get players who aren't as inhibited anymore but also a little bit slack and I think you saw the full rainbow from Spurs like there's a lot of kind of careless defending Southampton probably gone into half time two up maybe three up Hugo Lloris played very very well um, but there were some sort of interesting moments in the second half like get into play between the attacking players really like what the fullbacks did it doesn't mean anything it's not necessarily related to what will happen next week or the week after or whatever um, but it was really nice to see a, a reversal of a trend spend, Spurs have spent Spurs have spent all season surrendering leading positions and dropping points and they um, came back from one goal deficit to win it late. It was more than welcome, I'll be honest. Also, was this your first match piece for the Athletic, Seb? No, no. I did one um, just before I left England. Um, oh, well. So it then. was um, a bit forget, of a strange feeling. I haven't, haven't done one for a very, very long time. But it was, um, no, it was fun. I, I, I actually really enjoyed that second half. As a fan, I'm not talking about sort of the writing experience, but I just really enjoyed seeing them come back and win. It's good. Yeah. Well, if you want to read Seb's piece, you can do so at The Athletic. Mm, enjoy that. Right. I think that's probably it for today. Uh, we've rambled our way through uh, some response to the Super League. How does one even respond, you know, in the face of um, calamity and embarrassment? Well, anyway. We did our best. I've got uh, a um, I've got a fancy mm. football update for you. Um, oh, hello. Well, I haven't. It's not so much an update. It's just more Wait. of a notification that I've overtaken Wait. you in the league Wait. table. No, yeah. hold on. Yeah, 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 afraid so. yeah. <coughs> we haven't got time to do yeah, we any have. more of the podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah, can't hear anything that you're saying, mate. You aren't important to me. I don't like you. I don't even think you're good at Re- your job. Really, I've been really, keeping really these things inside base in that bit for a long honest. time. Just really, yeah. and also. I, I think fade him um, out during this. As well. I actually just think that your parents made a mistake having you, <laughs> and I think you, you know I've met your father once, and he admitted to me that he was sh- deeply ashamed of you, and wished he could go back and not not have birthed you because specifically because of how bad you would be at fantasy, fantasy football. football. You'd, ne- you'd yeah. never overtake a good boy like me. So uh, oh, not true. God. Don't believe you. I'm going to make a super club. Can't prove and you can it. Can't prove it. <clears throat> I've made a super club and you're not invited. Right, Tipos, thanks to everyone for listening today. Hope you're well. Hope you're enjoying uh, dancing in the world beyond the league and laughing at the wealthy people. It's not often we get to laugh at the rich people, is it? But we can today. Uh, So do have a good old chortle, a deep laugh. Yeah, Bring things out of your lungs that have been there for 10 years or so. And... uh, just enjoy it because you'll have to go back to rational, non-othering thinking tomorrow. So, you know, 
enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, Alex Stewart, thanks to you. Uh, thanks, Joe. And thanks, of course, to producer Adonis. Uh, he was really on it today. He was great. I think that's everyone. Uh, Tipo's au revoir, <laughs> and we'll be back uh, next week with more football talk, hopefully. Athletic.